0: December 13, one day after Borussia Dortmund were bitterly beaten 5-1 by promoted side VfB Stuttgart on home soil, a team built by former chief scout Sven Mislintat, who was cast aside after falling out with Thomas Tuchel, Peter Bosch jumped to first place in the Bundesliga with Bayer Leverkusen. Earlier that fateful Sunday afternoon, Dortmund announced the sacking of head coach Lucien Favre, quote, We felt we were in danger of not achieving our objectives for the season after this difficult phase. That's why we had to take action," said BVB Sporting Director Michael Zorc in the official press release. The difficult phase? One win out of the last five league games including three consecutive home losses against FC Bayern. SFC FC Köln and VfB Stuttgart. A draw away to Eintracht Frankfurt and the win of Champions League Group F happened in between the drop out of the top four Bundesliga spots. Now the black and yellows want to ensure to reach their season goals with 38-year-old interim coach Edin Terzic. Vazquez and Sorg have trusted their legacy with a young assistant coach after Favre and his number two Manfred Stefes were relieved of their duties. Was it the right call to let Favre go? Is Cesic the guy to lead BVB to a top 4 finish in the Bundesliga and take on Sevilla in the Champions League? And who may come in next to pick up the pieces in the summer? I'm Stefan Wolsko, and this is episode 350 of the Yellow Wallpot and to answer these questions and more joins me Matthias Suk. Hello Matthias, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I feel very, very relaxed now after that little cool jazz uh, episode. I feel like there's going to be some spoken word poetry now, but uh, that, that was the perfect intro because it kind of chilled me out. How are you doing, Stefan?
0: Yeah, I'm doing very well. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it was something else, but I thought for episode 350, we need to do something special, but I wasn't quite sure what... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether that's uh, cringy or not but uh, for more uh, evaluation on whether that was good or not uh, also joins us Lars Pollmann. Hello Lars how are you doing? Hello Stefan I'm doing fine and that was quite snazzy I would say. <laughs> well I don't know if that's a compliment or not because I don't know what the word snazzy means. Pardon my ignorance and let's just I guess move on with it because we do have a lot of Things to discuss, and we do not have that much time. So on Saturday, Dortmund were horribly beaten, five to one, as I've already alluded to in that snazzy intro. Um, Matthias, was it the right call to sack Favre after this display?
1: Well, you know, it it, it kind of felt like it it had to because it was just Dortmund were missing everything and everywhere. It seemed, um, and and it just. And it's not just that one match. I mean, if you look at the last few matches and then obviously going through similar phases in the last two years, but now then to be just that outplayed, out-tacticked and coach and the players just seemingly not into it because there were so many bad passes all the time to a degree that I'm just not used to uh, with Adult Dortmund side for years. Uh it it felt like they kind of had to. Um, the match forced their hand. I don't think they really wanted to at the end of the day. I think if they would have gotten a draw out of it or narrowly beaten or narrowly beat uh, Stuttgart, maybe they would have persisted at least into the uh, two second winter break. But as things stand right now, they just they had to do something because something was not clicking with the team. And when you listen to some of the post-match comments from some of the players, it just seemed like it it was at a time now where a change had to be made.
0: Yeah, Lars, uh, I think Dortmund's officials were rather elu- reluctant um, to let Favre go. They made sure to underscore after they fired him that he... Did great work, but they also felt that they needed to make a change. The season goals were in danger. All of a sudden, um, Lars, you I think tweeted that uh, at least you need to entertain the thought of letting Favre go after the five-one uh, loss to Stuttgart. Uh, what What do you think? Do you think this was the right call? First of all, snazzy is a positive. Um, <laughs> let Let one German. I, I just tell googled it, German. It, it means stylish and attractive example, snazzy little silk dresses.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was the the, the the kleine schwarze of jazz intros, I would say. Uh, as for the dismissal of Favre, yeah, I mean, I, I think I said, or tweeted, it would border on negligence, not to at least strongly consider it, and basically, what I was meaning with that was what uh, you quoted sokin saying, uh, you know, the sporting goals for this season were definitely in danger if this current run of form which I wouldn't only uh, relate to the 1-5 against Stuttgart Uh, if that continues too long. I mean, the Bundesliga this season is quite equalized at the top, I would say. Even Bayern uh, haven't won, I think, four games out of 11, or it might even be five now. Uh, Leipzig are Leipzig, Leverkusen are much stronger, more solid than last season, so... There's not much breathing space for Dortmund to have like an extended autumnal depression as they had last season and still uh, easily uh, finished in second. So I think this was the kind of situation that was untenable because of the development over the last few weeks and months. And certainly also, I think what was quite telling and you alluded to it earlier. Uh, the comments of players one step short of mutiny, I would say. And and there was certainly a lot of uh, finger-pointing. You know, I think basically the two leaders of the attacking department, and the defensive department, if we want to think in those terms, uh Mats Hummels and Marco Reus, basically pointed the thing, finger at the other department, if you like. So whenever that happens... Basically, it boils down to the head coach not having the full trust of his team anymore, the team not being, you know, fully happy with uh, decisions and tactics applied. So, ultimately, I think this was inevitable, but still, uh, on Saturday evening, I wouldn't have necessarily bet on it happening just because of, you know, schedule congestion and it being really hard to bring someone in mid-season, especially this year. Uh, But obviously, they kind of cut out the middleman, if you like, and went with an assistant coach who's been around the team, but who it's now been reported on Monday by Kicker, for example, that he definitely has ideas that run a bit counter to what uh, Favre implemented over the last, let's say, 18 months. Because I think we should not forget that Favre's first season was really good. And for certainly the first Half season, uh, they kind of ran away with the Bundesliga. Obviously, they didn't finish the job against Kovac Bayern, which is arguably a, a blip on on his record at Dortmund. But still, we we shouldn't uh, you know be too excited about a good man losing his job because he certainly did a decent enough job at Dortmund for at least the first two seasons.
0: Yeah, I'm very far removed from gleefully rubbing my hands here that Lucien Favre was sacked because I think, first of all, he's just a very likable guy and I do still think that he's a very good football coach. Um, I always said and I always felt that he is not the perfect fit for Borussia Dortmund. I think everyone knew that, that this is sort of a compromise. Um, And uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the bigger picture of what Dortmund wants and what their philosophy should be, that they sort of uh, enact ...from the very top and then hire coaches and players accordingly. And uh, in in that term, it was always a bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, it it made sense in the context of what happened before... ...because uh, Dortmund were at the back of the uh, Bosch-slash-Stöger season... ...and before that it was a very difficult time with uh, Thomas Tuchel in the end... ...and obviously the the ramifications of the uh, bombing of the team bus. So um, when when Lucifaro came in and uh, really rocked the Hinrunde and i think this is sort of where where dortmund almost peaked under him uh i think they finished the hinrunde with a 9 point lead over bayern if i remember correctly so um that was that was really good and uh, i i thought it' a very refreshing uh, football and uh, you you thought he would stabilize the team and uh, in many ways i would even say he did um if you listen to our episode right after the Bruges game i was actually raving about how dortmund have uh, found some consistency at long last and exactly when I said that when the words escaped my mouth is uh, exactly when shit hit the fan so uh, if, if if I'm the one at fault uh, I apologize but um, yeah Matthias so before we talk about Terzic, um maybe in the bigger picture um, what do you think uh, can we make out of the Favre era at Dortmund the two and a half years uh, of um, a coach that's had the highest points per game on average, 2.09, but quarterfinals per game equals zero. Uh, What do you make of this era?
1: Well, um, you know, obviously anybody that follows me on Twitter saw that there were a few debates uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, I vehemently reject any notion that Lucien Favre is not an excellent coach. He's a very good coach. Um, And the development of Dortmund under his tutelage... uh, Showed as much. I mean, after let's say the second Tuchel season, and then the the season of the two Peters, um, you know the the club were rebuilding a lot. There was again been turnover of key players, and you know they said it's going to take some while for Dortmund to be challenging Bayern to be challenging for titles. Uh, that was the directive given at the time. And Lucien Favre um, changed that trajectory dr- dramatically by improving Dortmund, by bringing back morale, by being more tactically astute than his immediate predecessor, uh, Peter Stöger, when it comes to what could excite the players and the fans alike. But the problem at the end of it was that even though he developed Dortmund to that next step or regaining a step because they are under his in his tenure, uh, you know, the Bayon challenger, they've proven that two straight seasons uh, to go that next step. I had always questioned whether he was the right guy because he he'd never coached a team. That's on the front foot in the sense of always coaching a team that was the underdog. I mean, look at the amazing job he did at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, and of course, his time there got tainted by the fact that he quit on them when things were pretty bad. Um, that all being said, I think overall, we can be thankful that he came and stabilize things, also with his personality and who he was, very calm, very cordial and friendly and likable and nice. You know, there was no, you know, oddity about him. There was no edge uh, like Thomas Tuchel, who was genuinely and generally quite disliked by a lot of people. Um, Whereas I, I would struggle that you find many that have anything bad to say about Lucien Favre, Uh, even at Gladbach, even after he left the way he did. So as such, I'm very thankful that he came. I think he was the right person at the time to do what he did. But for Dortmund to really take that next step, you need a coach that's willing to risk it a little bit more, to push the envelope a little bit more, and to get more out of the players in an emotional sense, not just in a player development sense, um, you know, and that's, that's kind of an area that I felt was a little bit missing. And it's kind of been shown this season. Uh, some players have kind of checked out. I'd I'd argue Jaden Sancho has kind of checked out. Um, and, but at the same time, he also helped young players step forward and play better and gain confidence. So overall, I would say very, very good that he was there. Very thankful that he was there. And now it's time to see, Dortmund go to that next step and re- and not just challenge for titles, because he's kind of been doing that the last two seasons, but really feel like to at least the last second of the last game, you're in it. And I feel like that's that's where this next step needs to go.
0: Lars, what do you think uh, Lucifer was lacking to keep his job for uh, the end of the term? And beyond that, do you think it was a mistake by Dortmund to A, uh, have him enter this season as a lame duck coach and and B, uh, now make Terzic the guy for the rest of the season. So uh, definitively in their press statement.
2: Uh, let me answer the second part first, because that's the easiest to answer. I think it was definitely not the wrong call to go with him as a lame duck in terms of, you know, not extending his contract. Um, I would argue that the biggest mistake they made was actually signing him to an extension after the first season petered out in the second half Uh, I mean obviously they were quite close to Bayern and uh, actually the the title was decided on the final match day but I mean if we remember back to the game against Bremen for example in late that season uh, you know the title was basically decided before and you know they they had thrown it away in a sense so I think they prematurely signed him to a contract extension and we talked about it a lot uh, especially this season that you know they don't like going with a lame duck situation and that's why they signed him to an extension but I didn't think at the time that he merited it and kind of been proven right now because they've uh, gone not even six months into his final contract uh, or final year of contract and he's gone now so that was kind of uh, you know a predictable in a way mistake but you know that's what kind of happens sometimes uh what does he lack i think a an idea how to develop this team from you know a stable base level to greater things i think he's he was the perfect person first and foremost and in a secondary sense also a very good coach for what they needed at the time but you know he was let's go with a with a car analogy he was the kind of guy who got them off the of the parking spot, and you know, during uh, or, or across the street, but you know, now that they need to go on the autobahn, uh, he didn't find the final gears. So, uh, <laughs> I think I think he he just doesn't really have the kind of idea to uh, bring a team forward with the kind of talent they have at this point. Uh, you know, the the laborious, deliberate approach and build up has caught them time and time again i think some of the decision making or lack of uh, decisions uh, has hurt them so uh yeah i think i'm struggling i I mean we've we said now numerous times that he's a, a really good coach but i still kind of struggle to see where he goes next because there's not a lot of clubs that his philosophy in which he's fairly set Uh, I don't see many opportunities for him to make that work so uh, I kind of think he should go into national team coaching which is also a bit more of a hands-off approach which I think his personality would be well suited to. And then finally Terzic, I mean it's ultimately almost impossible for us to really have a sense of what he will be as a head coach because he's never been a head coach certainly not at the pro level I don't think he was a head coach in the youth level but you know they know him very well he's been around the club since 2010 with as he said a short break which was actually like 5 years but you know I mean that's splitting hairs in a way Um he's a he, he's a Dortmund fan he's a definitely a more excitable and emotional guy than Favre and I mean we know this team has a lot of talent they uh, have shown even this season glimpses of brilliance in some games and to unlock that i think we need to look more at the personal side than you know is he a tactical magician probably not i mean if you're a 38 year old assistant coach i mean you would presume that he he'd have gotten his shot as a as as the head guy at some point if he were a prodigal you know coaching talent so i'm thinking more more in the sense of they wanted him as a personality and i think it certainly makes sense to go with someone who knows the squad very well because you don't have time to get to know a team i mean if there was a winter break this season i'm sure that a they wouldn't have fired far for the three games ahead of the winter break and b i'm pretty sure they would have or they would have at least looked at someone else but given the situation as it is and you know the lack of breathing space in terms of uh, finishing in the top 4 which is absolutely paramount in covid times due to financial constrict- uh, constrictions uh, they had to go with someone who knows who uh, who knows the the squad very well who knows the characters and the inner workings of this team in particular so even though uh, I was one of the drivers of the Enrico Maasen hype train. I kind of <laughs> get why they why they go with Edin Terzic, who uh, I will say in his first press conference made a solid impression. And But I would say also that not being Lucien Favre in a press conference was always going to make him a winner.
0: Yeah, the bar when it comes to Dortmund press conference was frighteningly low. Now, Matthias, in that same press conference, uh, Michael Zorc said and sorry already alluded to it that uh, he is sort of hoping on a more of an emotional approach you know that he brings that Terzic will bring more emotion that uh, are required at Dortmund I think Zog put it um, so do, do you think that this is uh, uh, sort of the, the, the main thing you can change in such a short time considering a you won't have a winter break Uh, or a training camp in Marbella, and the next game is literally Tuesday, so tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a big deal. I mean, you also look at the fact that he's got Oto Aro at his side, uh, who was the, I forget what the term is, like... Top talent coach, I guess. (laughs) Top talent coach, whatever the hell that means. I mean, that's kind of like, we've got a throw-in coach. Okay, congratulations. Well, it,
0: it, 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 sort of, it sort of means you, you, you look at your best young players like yes. a Bellingham and yeah. G Arena and then you show them how to take down the Correct. ball with your left foot and finish it with the right outside of the boot. This is sort of what, what he did. <laughs> it's like extra extra training for the, uh, yeah, hochbegabten for the uh, highly uh, skilled uh, young young guys. So this is what he did. <laughs> so he was mostly working with, with young players to improve their skills and, and other facets of their game.
1: And, and it makes sense to have him more present, uh, a, also because he's a nice guy. Um, he understands Dortmund and he understands a lot of these young players that are now part of this Dortmund squad.
0: Yeah, we, we should maybe add for people who, who are very new to Dortmund, Otto Addo played for the Black and Yellows between 1999 and 2005. So he won one championship with the Black and Yellows.
1: Yes, uh, and always highly respected, very liked. I would also strongly assume – now, also the under-17 head coach is is also now an assistant on Terzic's staff, um, though the question is, is it really Terzic's staff? I would also strongly assume that there's going to be a stronger involvement from Sebastian Kehl um i would be shocked if matthias Zama didn't play some type of role in there as well i mean he's a resource that actually won a title with dortmund and helped title uh, dortmund get out of a crisis at a given time so uh there's there's a lot of experience there along with the youth and i think that's a key thing the, the what you talk about the emotion when you watch the press conference and tazic is a local guy born in the Zawaland, uh, I forget if he said 30 minutes or 30 kilometers away from Dortmund I think it was 30
0: kilometers but I'm, I'm yeah, not sure if you reach Sauerland this, yeah. this it's, it's
1: close it's close um, and yeah he's more emotional he was an assistant under Slaven Bilic who obviously is a very emotional guy um, and that might be exactly what you need. I mean, I always kind of jokingly said that Lucien Favre reminded me of my now late uh, father-in-law in the sense of very calm, very fatherly type of demeanor. And my essentials also very Swiss. <laughs> yeah, and yes, very Swiss. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's all good, but now a lot of these young players need that next thing, need need an occasional kick in the ass, need someone that speaks their language, that is connected with them. And that's also a lot of what I read <laughs> in the last twenty four hours about uh Teazic is that that is that connection.
0: Yeah, after the laptop coach, see the PlayStation coach. <laughs> because I, 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 I read today that he played PlayStation tournaments with teammates back in the day. So uh which, which goes to show he isn't that, that old. And uh, if if you're a gamer, then uh, you obviously maybe have a little bit of a different approach to, to young players and have maybe a way to connect there, even though I doubt that he ever played Fortnite. But um,
1: yeah, No, but I mean, even if you played FIFA with them, you've connected with these players on a different level that the if you were just the head coach, you never would have. You can't, because there needs to be a distance. Even Jürgen Klopp talked about it. If you watch the documentary from 2012, uh, Trina, where he said, you know, I come into the room, even though I have a good relationship with my players, everyone stops talking because the boss is in the room. You know, it's not like they talk about, hey, uh, coach, this is what I did this weekend. And obviously, Tazic had that relationship a little bit more with the players, which has now changed, but it's still there. Now, when it comes to tactics... Um, you know, he spoke about it a little bit, you know, he'd rather score one go- goal more than concede one less. Uh, he he obviously spoke of the Dortmund DNA, also as far as maybe wanting to be a more intense, higher pressing, aggressive side, which I think speaks to a lot of the skill sets from certain players, uh, and my, may excite them again and get them moving forward again. And so... I think he's saying all the right things. Whether or not it's the right move or not, we'll have, to, I mean, we'll only know that in probably the next five to 10 matches. It's way too early to speculate on that. Even Florian Kohfeldt said today that, oh, this changes everything because he knows nothing about Edith Tezic, uh, and, and needs to gather information because his tactical approach for Bremen ahead of Dortmund tomorrow is now completely gone out the window because it's a different Dortmund side. And in terms of being able to convey tactics, you have a very tactically astute group of players, even some of the young ones, um, but the more mature ones that have been there for a while, be it a Hummels, a Witzel, a Chan, a Delaney, a Brandt, a Guerrero, a Royce, a they They understand it. And, you know, you're talking about nuances at that point. So I think... I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but I do expect more energy. And so I, I understand why they made this decision from an emotional standpoint, because that was something that was oft criticized, especially in the last few matches that Dortmund just, the players seem just not engaged.
0: Yeah, you said you do expect more energy, uh. I am hoping for my energy, but I don't know if I can expect this because due to the schedule congestion and seeing other sides struggle right now, like for example Bayern, I, I see them, uh, you know, gain a point against Union Berlin, which was uh, not very deserved because they look completely gassed and Union Berlin uh, really, uh, yeah, should have steamrolled them, to be honest. Um, and Stuttgart, I think, also did profit from the lack of freshness that Dortmund have. I mean, uh, Jude Bellingham obviously uh, was maybe a bit inexperienced ahead of the uh, 2-1 that Dortmund conceded when he attempted a 1-2 pass with, uh, I think it was Guerrero, uh, at the edge of his own box. However, um, yeah, uh, I, I think Dortmund uh, right now are not the, the sides that can fire on all solidness. Um So, last. The first thing I did that Terzic said or, or, or tried to convey at the news conference today is that he is also sorry for the 5-1 loss and that he takes responsibility of it because he was obviously part of that coaching staff. So, um, you know, if if you read the papers and, and what he's been described as, then uh, it's it's someone who, who is a good scout, who can analyze opponents very well. Um but how much do you expect to actually change within those uh, couple of days? Sunday was sort of just a recuperation slash rest day, and uh, today is the final team training. So um, Matthias already said you you want to ex- uh, you, you want energy levels to change, but uh, uh, beyond that, what do you think can be achieved on Tuesday and and in the three games before Christmas? yeah i mean that's the big
2: question um i think this is going to be more about attitude and you know uh, mindset which they talked about quite a bit today than uh, you know necessarily a tactical wrinkle they throw in because obviously you don't have the opportunity to train anything of real interest i mean uh, a final training session you probably talk about specific stuff to bremen you know uh Maybe set piece defending and all that stuff. If that's even part of you know the actual on-field training at this stage, I mean they've so many matches already this season, and uh, I think at least 26 until the end of the season. So without a real winter break, I mean it's it's going to be coming down to how they approach the the game against Bremen, and then also uh, at Union and Braunschweig in the cup. I mean, I'm expecting a couple of personnel changes, but really the the biggest change should be how they approach the game in terms of their mindset. And in that sense, I think a coaching change is always also, uh, you know, taking away some excuses from players. I mean, uh, Mats Hummels and Marco Reus can talk great game uh, after. You know, playing like absolute absolute dog shit for 90 minutes against Stuttgart themselves. I mean, Marco Reus looks absolutely dead on his legs, and I, you you want to take him to the glue factory. And Mats Hummels uh, made huge mistakes in front of goal uh, ahead of the goals himself. I mean, it's not like they you know held the band together and and the young guys made the mistakes. No, it was. The, the absolute leaders of the team also letting the team down so there's there's no more excuse for anyone on the team uh they got their presumable wish you know not a, a new head coach a new approach in terms of how the coach talks to the team how maybe they come to decisions how they approach games tactically so uh i think when uh, Pep Guardiola left Bayern and they uh, got Carlo Ancelotti I, was it Mehmet Scholl who said the, the shackles are off the team yes. and <laughs> and they they suddenly played with more freedom yeah. uh, meaning but they really weren't unchained.
0: In... I, I remember he had a good face for like a couple of months and then uh, everything fell apart again so. yeah
2: I mean obviously when things fall apart for Bayern it still means uh, Ancelotti wins the double in his first season but you know uh I think I'm fairly optimistic, which might uh, shock some people on episode 350, uh, that I'm the op- optimistic one about something. But, you know, a coaching change is always uh, a chance for a fresh start. And with a couple of personnel decisions going a different way than before, you know, maybe they change something after 45 absolute god-awful minutes instead of hoping that, Miraculously, they will change themselves, and maybe you know the second striker you 've been talking about for months, even before he was eligible to play actually plays more than five minutes in a game that you know is quite important you know uh, nice. I, I'm, yeah
0: all your grievances come on, let it all out
2: <laughs> i'm assuming I was quite finished actually uh assuming that things are going to be better, but obviously. With the small uh, amount of time available for them on the training pitch, you know, it might be a bit of a work in progress.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. But I mean, there are not too many things I would criticize about Lucien Favre overall. Um, But I I do think that his, uh, you know, substituting was not the greatest at times. Uh, I think I made the same... uh, criticisms had uh, leveled them at Peter Busch for example and uh, I don't even remember the sugar time at all so uh, but yeah um, I, I, I do think that he is too often too reluctant to pull the trigger on something but uh, I mean there was there were phases this season where it's improved where he actually made changes at halftime which weren't just uh, out of necessity due to injury or so but uh, actual uh, tactical changes where uh, you know one awful for 45 minutes of a player or so were already enough um to make a change and so um that that criticism is a little bit uh, cushioned by that i guess but uh, yeah in the, in the recent games i always thought oh my god why are we looking at this for seventy minutes or the game in frankfurt where you make two substitutions overall um so matthias last already just said it uh the alibi is revoked, um, and if we look at how this Dortmund team fell apart after the 2-1 against Stuttgart, um, where where there was very little fight, um, what do we expect now also from the guys like Witzel, Hummels, and Reus, who definitely are the veterans, and of whom is uh, some some more expected than they're all showing? Right now, especially Royce and Witzel, who, um, yeah, I, are, are, are gravely out of form.
1: Well, I mean, ideally, quit fucking up. I mean, that would be a good start, I think. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I had this whole until Favre got sacked. I got this whole rant already planned out. I've probably <laughs> ranted in my head twenty times over the course of the weekend. Um, but you know, uh. I will I will give, of all of those, I will give Royce a mini pass just because he's he was kind of played in position that it's, we all know it's not kind of his thing. Uh, but still, there needs to be significantly more. Um, of the front players, though, I will say he did actually press on occasion. Um, Sancho just seemed to just stop wanting to play. But uh, Witzel needs to be more than a ball shuttler. I mean... I'm sorry, I didn't <laughs> see a point to him playing. I've,
0: I've 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 heard him be described as a poor Julian Weigel at the moment.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it, it's, it's it's and maybe he's taller than Julian Weigel, but that may just be the hair. Um, but I, it was kind of one of those matches where after 20 minutes, you're like, hey, let's bring on Dahut, and maybe Dahut will get a chance now. It it that was to me is like the big baffling part of this season. You know, I've been critical of him, I believe 100% justifiably so. And this season I've seen the Dahoud I always wanted to see, and after he starts playing really well, he doesn't play anymore. I like what the fuck, man? It's what what is he going to have to do? I think last it was you who tweeted the conspiracy theory against Mahmoud Dahoud continues when he was taken off and Mukoko was brought on in one match. It's like what what's what's the guy got to do? Um, but also Guerrero. Guerrero was atrocious in that match. I mean, he was so bad. He was a complete liability and should have been taken off, but he was not. And it, I mean, the, there are certain players I felt bad for in the side. Uh, Bellingham would be one. Reyna would be one just because they're kids and you just can't put that pressure on them. Um, uh, Morey, I feel bad for him, but he was also really bad. Uh, in the match, I felt bad, honestly, for Buki and Akanji. Uh, because, especially Buki, who actually had a pretty good day. Uh, if it wasn't for him, oh God. Um, who knows where this scoreline would have ended. Um, but, it, it just, there are so many players that should be so much better that completely failed Dortmund. And I'll be honest, watching that match, I had to think of the Zenit match... Where Dortmund were lucky to have won. I mean, let's be honest. If it wasn't for Zanit being completely incapable in front of goal, um and Bueckey playing well, that that they should have lost that match. Um, I mean, not and definitely not won it. So the the warning shots were there and nobody freaking listened. And it it just and granted, it was way more of a somehow thrown together side, but still, it was there, you saw it, you saw the warning signs, and nobody did anything, and I I think that's also what ultimately led to Favre being out, but now, yeah, buck up, boys, and get this shit done, because um, we can't have this, and you're just not good enough or young enough for Dortmund to go, for Tsoak and Watske to go, yeah, I'm you know, maybe you're just not that untouchable anymore. So uh, now it's put up or shut up time for those veteran players, not the young guys. I, I don't blame them.
0: Yeah, so now Dortmund on Tuesday do face Werder Bremen, who are sitting in 13th place, and I don't think they have won their last five matches. So... Um, eight. Eight? Eight matches. Eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. see? So they, they are also not really in form. Um... Lars, what do you expect uh, of this Werder Bremen team where Dortmund have uh, struggled a couple of times when they traveled there? I mean, that was the Favre curse
2: which now has been lifted, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily follow Bremen too closely for... That was my smartphone. uh, For several reasons. uh, One of which being, uh, I'm not a masochist and Bremen... While a great tradition, uh, a club with great tradition, haven't really been up to par for years now. I think uh, there was kind of a Kofeld mirage for a while. Uh, Last year they should have been relegated. I mean, they only uh, stayed in the Bundesliga because of the away goal rule in. the relegation playoffs, which is ridiculous, considering there were no fans in in the stands for both games. So, I mean, the way goal rule is always dumb, but it was especially dumb in that part. Uh, And this season, I mean, they started decently enough. They had this crazy run of one all draws. I think it was six or seven in a row, something like that. Uh, They even got a deserved point at Bayern, after which they were kind of uh, disappointed in not nicking it at the end. I think Josh Sargent had a pretty decent chance uh, late in the game. But, you know, uh, since then they've uh, lost, uh, I think, three games in a row and uh, reading about them, it seems that they've completely fallen back into the problems they had last season, you know, inexplicable defensive lapses. No real threat in front of goal. I think they still kind of miss Milo Rashica, who's been injured. I think he's back healthy, but not really firing all cylinders, which really has been the case for the entire calendar year. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of game where where all things being equal, Dortmund would be expected to win quite easily, but obviously things aren't ever really... things equal when Dortmund are concerned and certainly not when a coaching change is involved so it's uh, very interesting to see uh, how these teams shape up against each other because obviously and you guys mentioned it before Kofeld doesn't know the first thing about um, Terzic uh, I think nobody really knows much about Terzić in Germany. He also made his uh, uh, coaching license. He he doesn't have the Fußballer uh which is the German top license. He has the U- UEFA Pro license because he made it uh, in England uh, working under Slaven Village at West Ham. So I think that he's more of an unknown even than you know a new coach who hasn't been a head coach in the Bundesliga would be. So you know I I don't know what's going to happen. and Certainly Bremen don't either.
0: No, and the problem is when uh, Dortmund uh, screwed up in Bremen, that was already Bremen in poor form. So uh, that's also not an indicator of what's to happen now. Uh, but with all that being said, Matthias, let's uh, focus a little bit more on the bigger picture and to zoom out of Werder Bremen. Um, Dortmund are obviously now uh, on the search of a new head coach and maybe in... Uh, Uh, In summer's time, uh, they will extend Idin Telsic's contract because he's done an outstanding job and they feel that the guy from uh, 30 kilometers away from Dortmund uh, ends up being the right fit. Um, Obviously, they are linked with uh, the Nagelsmanns and uh, Roses of the world. Um, But before we actually discuss names, um, what uh, I would say... Dortmund right now need is a coach that can uh, build a team that's maybe greater than the sum of its parts again and uh, have a spark and actually follow the philosophy that's being dictated by the club. And we have previously uh, criticized that uh, with the eclectic choice of coaches and different uh, philosophies that it's not entirely clear what Dortmund really want to be. So um, this now... As, as I said in the intro, is also a little bit about the legacy of Michael Zorc and Hans-Joachim Watzke. And I think, uh, you know, starting to be the legacy also of Sebastian Kehl. And this club really needs to know what it wants to be and uh, who the person uh, they, they should bring in to, to deliver that sort of picture. So um, Matthias, who, from your perspective, from the fan perspective and from the identity of the club, who or what should Dortmund be on the field? What should they represent? And uh, after you answered that question, which I'm sure is very easy, uh, then you can uh, pick a head coach and who, who could maybe fit that criteria.
1: Yes, of course. all oh, so easy. Um, <laughs> I mean, what Dortmund wants to be, uh, you have to kind of go back to 2008. Um, and when you look at Jürgen Klopp, he was clearly identified um, at a from a club that was fighting against relegation in Mainz, and they saw in him what they wanted Dortmund to be. Because we can't forget, before that we had Thomas. De- <clears throat> Sorry, I couldn't even say it. Thomas De- Um That was actually just coincidence. <laughs> Choked on my own coffee. Um, and and that was where they wanted, and that's where it developed and drove them. Because you just said something so key. Better than the sum of its parts. There is no statement that better sums up what Dortmund were in the two title-winning seasons and the double-winning season and getting to the Champions League season than that. Because Dortmund played teams off of the park that were from a quality standpoint way better. I mean, Kevin Großkreutz versus Real Madrid. I mean, give me a break. Oliver Kier, um, Marcel Schmelzer. Oliver Kier, I mean, just um, Ramos, you know. I mean, people forget we had a striker named Lucas Barrios, you know. I mean, um, and even this young kid from Poland nobody had heard about uh, named Lewandowski. So that's where Dortmund need to be, like you said. I think that's the philosophy they want. If you look at the coaches that came out of Dortmund's youth and under-23s, to go on and coach in other places, Um, they all played that brand of football. That is what they brought to Norwich, Huddersfield, um, Huddersfield again, <laughs> you know, and if you kind of go along those lines, you, you can see that that's, that's what they want to bring from the youth up. But where Dortmund went off the rails was obviously the season where Dortmund were in a relegation spot under Jürgen Klopp, where he then resigned. And lo and behold, you had Thomas Tuchel there, who was at the time the highest, hottest regarded entity in German coaching. Uh, and so them hiring him naturally made sense. And in the beginning, he still kind of played a lot in that, you know, high intensity pressing. And then it eventually kind of went away from that, and then of course him being him, and then they brought Bosch in, who obviously wasn't first choice, but kind of played that high-tempo, extreme aggressive, pressing type style, It obviously miraculously backfired, also because of player acquisition, Stöger was just we need somebody, Favre was a little bit of we need somebody to at least stabilize, but I think that that right there is the club DNA that they want to represent because that's what represents the passion of the rugby, that is the passion of your Dortmund supporters they want that aggression they want that high tempo they want the entertainment this plodding patient, ball shuffling back and forth side to side and then back to the back it just doesn't get under their skin and Watzke and Zorc are from the area, I mean Zorc is like the ultimate Borussia Dortmund guy And that's really what they want to see. And so I think that is the direction that they have to go with a coach. I think Terzic is it right now because he kind of embodies it. And it's a safe bet for them at this point rather than a Stuga or somebody like that. Um, And then as far as names go, even though I love Pochettino, uh, because as a Spurs supporter, you kind of have to. Because he did what Favre did there in, in writing them, but not winning anything at the end, even though getting really close. Um, but but that's, that's utopic. Uh, his name is being linked with people like PSG, Real Madrid, and Manchester United. That's just a level above Dortmund, at least from a pay grade international uh, standpoint. Uh, I don't care about the not speaking German thing. He didn't speak English when he started at Tottenham, so I'm not worried about that. Um, the most natural choice is the one that everyone is linking, and that's Marco Rose. Um, there's a reason why Max Ebel, like, immediately came out and said, Rose is under contract. Rose is under contract. But then also said, but if he wants to leave, there's nothing we can do about it. And Rose's contract ends in 2022. So, in, in all reports are really linking there, and supposedly he wouldn't say no to it. Um, also because he's of that Klopp-Mainz DNA. So that is the most natural fit. But of course, if Terzic becomes the next Hansi Flick, then why change anything? But that's, I would say, rather unlikely at this point.
0: Yeah, same task to you, Lars. Uh, Take a look into the crystal ball and tell me what you see or what you hope to see. Honestly, I think it's an academic
2: debate because I think it's pretty much a given that Marco Rose is going to sign with Dortmund. He has a release clause in his contract. They were already quite interested in him as we know as an alternative to Favre in 2018 uh, when he was back at Salzburg and slapped Peter Stöger's Dortmund side Uh, in the uh, Europa
0: League I I gotta say it still hurts it really still hurts and I I went to the away game and Salzburg is a pretty pretty city and I can only recommend the trip and seeing the Alps but the evening at the Red Bull whatever the, the heck arena just got awful. That was maybe one of Dortmund's absolute worst performances under Peter Sugar Ugh. ugh. All right, just continue. Sorry, I just need to. Ugh.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think basically since that evening uh, in Salzburg, and I mean Salzburg even outplayed Dortmund by a considerable margin at the Westfalenstadion too. I think it's it's kind of felt at least to me like they were destined to meet up uh, in at some point. Uh, and you know, with his release clause, with him having spent two years by then at Gladbach, you know, I think taking them out of that Champions League group is basically as far as you can get with Gladbach. I mean, that's a an absolutely humongous uh, achievement in a group with uh, Inter, Real Madrid, and even Shakhtar Donetsk, who uh, are a really quite experienced side in in European competition. So. I think it's it's such a natural logical step for all parties involved that even though Gladbach, uh, you know, want to keep him obviously because he's a really good coach, uh, I think it's basically not going to happen. So I think they they more or less have a pretty decent idea that they're going to get uh, Rose. I think otherwise perhaps they wouldn't have given the job now to Terzic because I don't think this is an audition for uh, you know a, a permanent head coaching role just because as I said before he's been an assistant coach for nigh on 10 years now and basically that means you're probably going to be an assistant coach for most of your career I mean there's the case of Uwe Neuhaus who's now a Bundesliga coach uh, at Bielefeld a really likable guy who used to be an assistant at Dortmund coaching the under-23s then and became, be, he became a, a, the leading guy but you know it's usually not happening and I think it's kind of silly to always point to Hansi Flick because a he was a head coach at Hoffenheim for five years when Hoffenheim weren't really Hoffenheim but still I mean they uh, eliminated Bayer Leverkusen in the first round of the cup one of those seasons when Hoffenheim were in the third or fourth division uh, and obviously Flick also uh He wasn't the assistant coach to Slaven Village at Besiktas, but to Joachim Löw when they won the World Cup. I think that's a bit more uh, of an endorsement, if you like. Uh, So, uh, as I said, I think it's going to be Rose, I think Dortmund think it's going to be Rose, but uh, just to throw two more names out there in case something goes awry, I mean, what if Rose suddenly decides to stay at Gladbach or gets offered, you know, I don't know, the Manchester City job for whatever reason, because they eliminate Man City out of the Champions League. Uh, well, then Pep Guardiola's free. I think uh, Matthias Sammer would advocate for Erik Ten Hag of Ajax. Uh, I think it's been well reported that uh, he very much likes him from uh, days they spent together at Bayern when uh, Ten Hag was their under-23 coach he summer uh, wanted to sign uh, Ten Hag to the German FA at some point also before then even uh, he speaks German he's presumably taking Ajax as far as he can but I think it's almost racial profiling but I mean do they really want to sign another bald headed Dutch guy from Ajax yes, bald uh, relatively, relatively, electric soon, boogaloo. <laughs> relatively soon after Bosch I don't think so and if, I mean, I think Rose is the the perfect match for both sides. But if, as I said, that doesn't happen, I think my personal favourite would be Ralf Hasenhüttl of Southampton. He's doing a, a mega job at, at Saints. But, I mean, he's basically uh, running a sort of one-man show there and has a long-term contract. He's taking them to Europe this season, I'm convinced. So, I don't think he's going to leave them. But I think that would be much like Rose, because they have somewhat similar backgrounds, uh, you know, starting at lower league sides, working their way up to the Red Bull Imperium, which obviously isn't necessarily a positive when it comes to Dortmund, but if we looked at it from a neutral, just focusing on football kind of thing, then, you know, going through the Red Bull school isn't necessarily the worst thing for a head coach. So, uh, yeah, Hasenhutl would be my 1B to Marco Rose as the 1A.
1: And I'll 100% endorse that. And can I just put in one thing real quick to all American Dortmund fans? Please stop mentioning Jesse Marsh. For the love of God, please stop mentioning someone who's underperforming with the most overpowered side in Austria. Please. Anyway, go on.
0: I, I just wanted to say that Jesse Marsh... <laughs> no, um uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, Matthias, so let's, uh, as we close this out, talk just very briefly about um, what's sort of expected of uh, Terzic slash uh, his minimum requirement, because uh, Dortmund are obviously five, no, no, six points off the lead in the Bundesliga table, but they are also not in the top four. So is it just for Dortmund to securing somehow the top four spots, or do you still think that... uh, Dortmund should shake themselves a little and then uh, hope that they can somehow climb to the top of the Bundesliga.
1: Well, I think obviously the minimum is Champions League, just financially. Um, but I think Dortmund will do that. I think they also have the quality to be second or third um, and at minimum. Um, so I think the bar is going to be set relatively low in, so that the pressure isn't as extreme. But you've got to finish top four. I think Dortmund will progress as far as you can in the cup. Uh, Even though that's, I would say, definitely more in the tertiary level of concern. Um, And then secondary in the Champions League, you do have a somewhat um, favorable tie against Sevilla, uh, who, having watched Sevilla recently, Lopetegui seems a little uh, flustered, let's just say. And so, and the results have, I mean, they lost to Ibar. Um so I think uh progressing past Sevilla and finishing top 4 would be kind of the minimum that they're going to put on on the young coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good that you brought Sevilla up because it was the last point here on my sheet. So um Terzic already talked about uh, the uh, infamous game at Sevilla back in the day when uh, Dortmund fans were attacked by the police and uh ball boys not showing up (laughs) it was really infamous and it's uh, one of my most painful experiences because i was just filled with hate and rage afterwards so i really do want revenge Lars, uh what do you make of this draw against uh, these i think fifth place team in spain right now with a couple games in hand Was it Sevilla where Marcel Schmelzer got sent off by Willy Colum for absolutely nothing or was that another... It was Mike Dean and it was the first leg. Okay. Yes, Um, still painful.
2: Yeah, I mean, having watched Sevilla last in the Europa League final against Inter, uh, where I think they merited uh, winning the competition again, uh, I think this is the kind of team that from a talent standpoint Dortmund are probably a bit favored against but I think they have what Dortmund sometimes lack and that is you know the the last 5% to I think they said today I think it was talk uh, to play for a result and get that result uh, I mean it's not always pretty it's probably not often pretty when Sevilla are involved but they kind of get the job done um, you know a veteran side with all the slight tricks of veterans even uh I, th- I think there's kind of a a feeling that they have a certain type of player and when he comes to Sevilla, he becomes even more of a shithouse um so i think this is basically a toss-up i mean obviously we don't really know what dortmund are going to be uh under Terzic, and especially in like two and a half months or whenever the first leg is so on paper, I think Dortmund would be favored to uh, progress into the quarterfinal most times, but I mean, Sevilla definitely not pushovers. And I honestly would have preferred playing against Barcelona because, uh, you know, they look completely disheveled under Kuman. And even in the Champions League, I mean, they lost 3 0 at home to Juventus, who really aren't all that under Andrea Pirlo themselves. So I think. Barca would have been a a more interesting uh, draw and more favorable draw for Dortmund, obviously also just because watching Messi at the Westfalenstadion again would be nice.
0: Yeah, uh, true. Uh, Very well said. Matthias, I think now it's time to knock it on the head and you may tell the people A. how to follow you on Twitter and B. what the prediction for the Bremen game is.
1: Well, you can follow me on Twitter, against my better judgment, at Matiasuk, and probably against your better judgment. Um, as far as the result in this match, I do believe we will see a reaction. Um, it's not going to be necessarily a pretty one, but it'll be there. And I'm going to say don't Dortmund win this thing 2-1. All right, last same task for you. Uh,
2: without any comment on your or my judgment, you can follow me on Twitter at Lars Pollmann and I'm going to go with
0: a one all draw. Very well, yeah. I'm also not really convinced uh, whether we will see such a big change of Dortmund, but I still think they will do enough to win it. Um, So I'm going with a 2-1 win um, and you can follow me at Stefan Bolsko and you can, of course, follow all of us at Yellow Boy and for our written content you can go to theyellowall.net. and if you want to subscribe uh, or contribute financially you can go to patreoncom theyellowall, where you can sponsor episodes etc and of course you can subscribe to the podcast via youtube itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify etc and uh, since this is another english week where dortmund play on tuesday and then on friday we will already be back on either wednesday or thursday Anywho, as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.